Oh shit! I didn't know any of this. Yeah. You guys are looking it's at all, me like, "Geez, it's all man, Norse, yeah. it together. don't you know your Norse no. mythology?" Yeah, it's all Norse uh, mythology. I clearly don't. I mean, I watched Thor. Isn't that enough? From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil, to Jason, Freddy, and Chucky, to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Ann Conley. Hey, guys. And Helen Stewart. Hello. <laughs> All right, tonight we are going to review the 2017 British supernatural horror film, The Ritual. Directed by David Bruckner and written by Joe Barton, the film is based on a 2011 novel of the same name by Adam Neville and stars Rafe Spall, Asher Ali, Robert James Collier, and Sam Troughton. Okay, so for tonight's drink pairing, we wanted to think about the ritual with our camping theme. So we were we had a couple of drinks that we were tossing around, and actually I've got to give it to Ray, who had the number two runner-up with a spiked hot chocolate. I thought that was super yummy and very smart. Um, but seeing as we record this late at night on a work night, school night, uh, we were like, oh, I don't know, it feels a little bit heavy. So we decided to go with a classic day drinking concoction of lemonade and whipped vodka. So it's a super sweet, yummy, light summer, winter, any time of year drink that makes hiking a completely acceptable sport. So enjoy. <laughs> it is delicious. <laughs> when we get started, we usually go through our expectations uh, going into the watch of the movie. So Helen, do you want to give us your expectations? Sure. I was really excited when this one was picked because I have not seen it before, but was really excited about the fact that there's British actors involved because they are usually really phenomenal in their acting techniques. So, are you sure it's not just the accent? Maybe. And I mean, these bunch of guys are kind of hot. So no, <laughs> I was all in. No complaints. <laughs> all right, Anne. So I picked this one. I was really excited. I think I saw this advertised briefly on Netflix. And I was like, oh, I don't know. That looks kind of cool. I was talking to a girlfriend about it. And she's like, oh, I saw that. That's not a new movie. <laughs> I was like, it's not? And then we looked it up, and it's um, 2017, as you heard Ray just say. So she actually had seen it last year, and she thought it was great, too. But I knew nothing about it other than it looked cool on Netflix. Yeah, I had no idea anything about the movie either. I only saw the Netflix preview, and that's all I had to go on. I'm not a big fan of uh, Robert James Collier, who played on Downton Abbey. I forget his character's name in Downton Abbey. Thomas. Ab Thomas, thank you very I'm much. I'm thumbing you down right now. I, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. I, no, let me, let, me, let me rephrase this. <laughs> I disliked his character, Thomas. Well, who didn't? I know. And I, and I think the problem is I've never seen him in anything else. You didn't watch the whole series. We talked yeah. about this before. I know. See the end. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I don't his know. His redemption He changes curve. his ways. Yeah, yes. We'll, yeah, we'll see. And we'll he has see. beautiful eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, the point is I've never seen Robert in anything else. So I think I associate him to his character. Uh, so I, I was kind of like, uh, okay, we got to go and watch it. Kind of Weasley. Right. Kind of Weasley and all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, by the movie so oh yeah i mean i'm with helen i was like british actors camping maybe some shirtless scenes going on. <laughs> i don't know but let's do this okay well <laughs> well with that uh and do you want to roll the trailer yeah absolutely all right it's trailer time and action 
Rob would have loved this place. He's a good man. The best of us. You know what they have? Walking trails in England. Pubs. Come on, man. Where's your soul? Ah! Oh, oh, it's twisted. It's twisted. All right, yep. Oh, easy, ah. easy. Look, we go southwest through here. We cut the journey in half. Or through the forest? Yeah, why not? Should have gone to Vegas. Oh, you'd have found something to fall over in Vegas too, mate. Now, is it me, or is it really quiet in here? <laughs> it's been gutted. Could be hunters out here. Or bait, possibly. Or it's the bit they don't show you in the nature documentary. It's a warning. We shouldn't be here. Where the hell are we, Huts? We should pitch the tents. This is ridiculous, man. Luke, you're getting soaked. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. Come on. It was a nightmare, Phil. Well, what happened to you then? We got spooked and we had bad dreams, all right? I woke up last night. Look, look at this. Nothing has done that to you. You've done it to yourself. Why do you have to deny everything like that? Because I, I do not value your judgment. We need to be working together, man. Five old friends from university, Phil, Dom, Hutch, Luke, and Rob meet over drinks at a pub and discuss plans for a group trip to catch up with one another. Rob suggests hiking in Sweden, but is quickly shot down by the others. Later in the evening, the group exits the pub and passes a shop. Luke wishes to stop and purchase a bottle of vodka, which Rob accompanies him in doing. While conversing in the shop, the pair notice the distressed cashier slumped against the wall behind the register. Two armed robbers emerge from the back room, and Luke hides behind a shelf at the end of the aisle, leaving Rob frozen in fear. The robbers antagonize Rob, who demands his wallet, watch, and ring. Rob parts with the first two willingly, but refuses to give them his ring, as it is his wedding band. Luke, still hidden from sight, flips the bottle in his hand and prepares to intervene. However, he is too slow to act, and Rob is bludgeoned to death. Oh, man. Can we just talk about that whole intro? Holy cow. Who saw that one coming? That was crazy. Yeah, that was. Yeah, no, I, and, but the thing is, I think this is probably the most important part of the movie. Like, this opening scene with his friend dying and him not taking action is mm -hmm. like the only reason the rest of the movie even works right yes like, but at least they set it up like unlike some of those other plots or some of the other movies that we watch you're just like what i mean i felt like this was enough you get that character development in the beginning you have the five guys sitting around the pub hanging out being friends you know you get this kind of this one's successful, this one's annoying, this one's a drunk, you know, <laughs> not, not to the utmost stereotypical extremes, but sure, you know, within your friend circle type of thing. 
But um, I, I like that because I thought that you really connected with him in like this cool, just friendly scene. And then all of a sudden it just takes this immediately turn for the worse in what you are thinking is a very safe environment. And then boom, the rest of the movie isn't in England at all, right? They're suddenly transported somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I think the wiki has it slightly wrong. At least I read it slightly differently, which is not that Luke was slow to act. I mean, he was unable to act, right? I mean, he he was didn't, cowering. Yeah, he it, hid. Well, and, and th- I mean, I was thinking he did the right thing, which is like, let's go around the aisle so that we're not whatever. The other guy, although I don't, well, again, I don't really agree with the wiki that Rob was frozen in fear. I just feel like Rob was like. He couldn't move. He felt like they were going to hear him type of idea. He was like too late to act like, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Luke did the right thing. It's just unfortunate that he um, couldn't act to help his friend. Although, honestly, what what was he going to do? I mean, and- these situations are so difficult. People just react so differently in these types of situations. You know, the way that I read it was Rob was just going, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell, what the like, and not frozen in fear, but just like trying to process everything yeah, that yeah, was going yeah. on. Because he didn't seem completely frozen. Like, when you're frozen in fear, you can't even talk. You can't mm-hmm. even move. He was interacting with the dudes. He was like, yo, man, I don't I don't want to give you that ring. Like, it's my wedding ring. Like, haven't you taken enough? Yeah. Well, he, he, Which was stupid. Stupid. I mean, yeah. give him the freaking ring. I mean, any, yeah. any American knows that. <laughs> give him the stupid yeah, ring. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, someone has to make, I don't want to say a stupid decision for this whole thing to be set off. I mean, they don't necessarily, but... Like, yeah, give them the ring. I mean, don't fight them. Don't whatever. Your wife wants you alive. Yeah. Right? I mean, at least it wasn't his phone. At least it wasn't like, dude, I have my contacts on my phone. I don't want to give you my phone. You yeah, know what I mean? then that character would have been like a total douchebag, and we wouldn't yeah. have resonated with that. So, But it made your heart hurt, you know, that he didn't want to give up his wedding ring, because it just really made him that much more of a martyr, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think so. I mean, he obviously was, I think, the positioned as the nicest of the group, mm-hmm. right? Right. He was yeah. supposed to be, yeah, the nicest, the best, the most successful. Kind of like the rule follower, too. Yeah. Like, he didn't want yeah. to go to the crazy places that they mentioned. The most the... mature. The, right. the guy had yeah. matured the Let's most. Do he wanted to do something, yeah. He wanted yeah. something important or meaningful, right? Which yeah. is interesting because I felt like uh, Luke, in this scene in England, or scenes in England, was really kind of the loser of the group to some extent but like when they go into into the camping section of the movie the rest of the movie i feel like he already is different like i feel like the six months between when Mm -hmm. this guy died i mean i think he's matured like a lot even in those six months that you don't see he's sobered up right and i do think that he was the big initiator on kind of following through with this dream of his robs of going to hiking i don't think anybody else really would have gone through with it he wasn't pushing it for his like final you know remembrance you know and i wondered that too because when you immediately fast forward to the camping to ray's point he seems so much more mature and sober not just in the you know not not drinking drying out perspective but just sober from his demeanor demeanor thank you i I was looking for demure and i'm like that's not that's not the word yes demeanor and i thought the same thing helen was just that you know what he was there he saw it he's traumatized and he wanted to honor his friend by doing this and then you really kind of start thinking about those characters and i was like you know i'm not so sure like you know in this scene he's really portrayed as being a coward as uh, and we we talk a lot funny enough about survival skills (laughs) on this podcast so on some level, I resonate with his survival skills of let me sneak around the corner and get out of eyesight. But I'll I'll tell you what, if I was there with a friend or I was there with my sister or somebody that I loved, 
There's no way that I'm sneaking around that corner without them. I mean, you're going to lightly tug on their sleeve and pull them slowly with you, doing whatever you can to stay as quiet as possible, but you're not abandoning them. You're not leaving them there in the aisle. Well, I got the impression that he was thinking, and I'm sure I would think the same thing, like, we're both going to go back, and and by the time he gets, you know what I mean, by the time that registers, the guy's not moving, and he's like, I'm moving, all right? And unfortunately, the one thing that kind of puts it Put some of the blame on him, although I don't know how much blame you could put on him. Is you know he leans back against the aisle and, it, and the the, he knocks the, bottle. the bottles oh, clink yeah. on his way there on his way. Well, no, it's when he's when he's behind it and he he leans back and it clinks and then the, that's when they hear and they turn around and see they see right. Rob. But that guy yeah. was right but, in the open. The, the, yeah, he would have seen yeah. him anyway. I mean, yeah. I I get it, but he makes it worse. Though. Yeah, I don't think he's a coward. I just think that nobody knows nobody knows how you would react to that situation until you're in it. And honestly, people die. When they try to intervene, I intervene. I mean, you had the, the shooting in New Zealand that just happened, and somebody, one of the young people, rushed the guy. I mean, he's he's dead. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, people don't live through that. And you're a martyr. You're a hero. You know, whatever that is. Um, but you're 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 not alive. You know what though? I was just thinking at the end of the day, his self preservation mechanism outweighed his compassion his friendship save skills the loyalty and i will say just really quickly i have been held up at gunpoint before with my sister and her best friend and we were walking down the street and it's funny that you say that ray because actually i did the exact same thing actually i assumed that the girls would keep moving and i was like just walk through it just keep moving like you don't stop they got they got spooked they stopped and i was already past the assailants i had to go back and get them but immediately, you know, I'm not more than two steps past the scene type of thing, realize that they're trapped, they're not moving. And I turned right back around, re-entered the scene and put myself back in it with them. Because you just don't abandon somebody like that. You know, even if he was there and if the guy was stupid enough to be like, I don't want to give you my wedding ring, he could have been like, dude, just give him the stupid wedding ring. Right. Sort of the playing off of one another keeps one another safer. But what about the intoxication level? We don't know that part because you do make stupid decisions. Oh, I was drunk during the situation. Let's be clear. We were all drunk, (laughs) which is probably why we were being targeted and held up. Because I was wondering if that was a big part of it and that's why he... But typically you're braver when you're drunk, right? I don't don't know if I increase bravery or if I increase stupidity, but... (laughs) Well, to test that hypothesis another time. (laughs) I also have this whole theory about women versus men when it comes to these situations. I think as a man, you are much more likely to be killed when there is a violent, when there's a man, a male perpetrator. I mean, you're much more likely to be raped if you're a woman and you're in some situation like that. But if you are a man and you, and you talk back, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. You know, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get hurt. If you're a woman and you talk back, I think men are much less likely to hurt you in general. You know what I mean? Well, nevertheless, to your point, he has to do something kind of stupid to get killed. No, yeah, no, 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 absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and just the murder was brutal. Can we just it talk about awful. that for a second? No, yeah, it was awful. Yeah, that I, was the sound. The sound editing and the sound in this oh, movie was excellent. By the oh, way, oh, so good. So, and what I liked about this again was something that you guys know I didn't like about the Terrifier is that it just showed so much gore and it was just so visual. This you actually don't see. I mean, you see him turn around and that his face is cut. But when they go for the death blow and, like, kind of crack his head open, supposedly, we don't actually see that. We see the puddle of blood. And to me, it was so scary. I mean, it made me jump. And the sound effects, to your point, Ray, I just thought it was really well edited. That was super scary and graphic 
enough. Well, and I don't think in real life that your skull has to be cracked open and your brain's leaking out to die from a full-on hit by an right. uh, aluminum baseball bat to the cranium. I mean, oh, if, if I you thought it was a machete. No, it was a, I don't know what it was. It was a it was a baseball bat, I believe, because he got was hit with it. it. No, I'm pretty sure it was why a baseball would it cut, bat. Why would it slice his face? Well, I mean, if you hit somebody hard enough, I'm pretty sure it's going to... Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I think it was a machete. I mean, I thought he got cut with like a knife. The fr- I couldn't figure out what it was the second time. I didn't know if they were the same instrument. No, I'm pretty sure this... Well, I mean, let, we'll go to the tape. <laughs> <laughs> go to the videotape. All right, we checked the tape, and it is not a knife. <laughs> it's not a bat. It's actually a pipe. We believe it's a pipe. Yeah, we think it's a pipe. Uh, it, it's very lightweight. You can see him swinging it with one hand, very quickly, skinny. Um, but what Helen and I were saying was when it hits the guy's face, it makes like this metallic slicing noise. Mm-hmm. So that's where you think, oh, like, you know, I was thinking, oh, it's it's a big knife, like it's a machete. But even maybe the end of the pipe is sharp as well, right. as yeah. you would imagine. Yeah, so either way, you can die from bludgeoning. Yeah. That was why I think what, I, my, my, what my point was. <laughs> so The lesson of the day is... Yeah, exactly. Do not mess with high, drunken convenience store robbers. Yeah, give them your ring. Just give them Just your give ring. Just give them your shit. Exactly. Give them whatever they want. To honor Rob's wish, the four embark on a hiking trip along the King's Trail in Serik National Park in northern Sweden, six months after his death. When Dom loses his footing and injures his knee, impairing his ability to walk, Hutch consults the map and decides that an alternate route through a forest off the trail will take them half the time. Upon entering the forest, the group encounters strange phenomena, including a gutted elk hanging from tree branches and strange symbols on carved trees. Okay, so fast forward, right? We're camping. I thought the same. I wasn't really sure whose idea was it at the end of the day to really honor him, but I thought it was a really beautiful gesture that they go on this hike. It's relatively safe, right? There's the lodge. I guess it's supposed to be this small little loop. I really dug the giant crosses that were along this, like, stone crosses along the path. That was cool, huh? Yeah, and and I didn't really know whether or not it was a loop or they had gone out and they were just coming back. Like, I was unclear of exactly what was going on. Right. I think the map showed a loop. Did it? Okay, I didn't didn't study the map, but that's fine. I mean, either way, it was like, it was a closed... Survivalist Anne knows what's going on. Don't worry. I got your backs. Okay. (laughs) She is the compass. I mean, the one thing I will say about this is this is supposed to be Sweden. Um, This is not Sweden. Right. This is actually in the Carpathian Mountains Mm -hmm. in Transylvania. No way. Yes. Shut up. Yep. I was like, maybe it looked like Ireland. It looks very green to me. I don't know. Yeah, it was like- Trees are creepy as crap. That's true. It was like up on some plateau. Yeah, that shit was crazy. That terrain was wild. That's true. Right. Yeah. These are some Transylvanian trees for sure. I yeah. Guess, yeah, I guess now we've got to plan a road trip for the Carpathian Mountains. Yeah, Jeez. well, I mean, and they, and, they actually, <laughs> and they actually were up there, and they filmed up there for weeks, and so they were, they were in it. Did I they think. get creeped out? They did, but by something later on in the, in, the, um, in the movie we'll get to. The Volkswagen. Yeah, the Volkswagen. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right here. That's right here, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyways, but one of the things that we did want to say was regardless of how far, and you know, no doubt this will come up later in the movie, but no no matter how far or how short your hike is meant to be, there are some pretty basic things that you should be packing on your hiking trip, right? Oh, that everybody should have. Everybody. Like a compass. 
you know Everybody what? has a compass. You know what was the most confusing to me is that this movie, like you know, came out in 2017. It's clearly supposed to be modern day, and they don't have like a Garmin, like a electronic GPS. You know so what I've I mean? Never, so I, I've never backpacked with a Garmin. We've always gone, done like the basic. But you have a phone on you that has signal, right? Are you going anywhere that has like also no a com- way to- Also a compass, by the way. I mean, yeah. we definitely had compasses, but I don't, I don't remember if we had cell phone signal. Yeah. But, mean, it, but it doesn't – you don't need a cell phone signal to get your GPS. Right. But we definitely didn't use the cell phones. Yeah. But the trees yeah. were marked. Well, where were you? Um, it was north of Williamsport. So you were, you were out in the boonies. Yeah. That's fair. You were out there. Was there risk of, like, people not finding you if you were eaten by a giant elk? Potentially. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember if the first time you we went, if we actually logged into any place. I guess somebody would have found our car in, like, the parking area, which wasn't really a parking area. There was some creepy children. Okay, Helen, this is why you got to stick with me. This No more of this crazy <laughs> shit. You, that's exactly what I mean. Like, you got to get your, you know, GPS. You got to get on satellite. You got these five guys out there. Now, I understand it was meant to be, you know, like a two-day hike, a three-day hike or whatever. But you're still camping out in an unknown territory with, you know, <laughs> that dude with the bad knee yeah. who, you know, just looks like not the best camping candidate right. no matter where you're going. Where's your thing. first aid kit? Mm-hmm. Like, so the one thing that did yeah. bother me in this, like you have these huge packs, which you, you do when you're backpacking, but what the heck did you pack in there if you didn't have all this other stuff? <laughs> yeah. We would pack so much food and not eat like two thirds of it because... Mm-hmm. I mean, they do mention the fact that they have supplies. I mean, that's why they're not worried about being out there in the woods. But like the first aid kit, they've got snacks. You know, no, yeah, I, no. I, <laughs> Where's I, your stovetop cooker? Like, I have so many. Questions. Well, they have the coffee thing. They show that in the in the scene. Oh yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, they didn't they show the Dutch show. oven. <laughs> there, there was no Dutch oven. Where's your spiked hot chocolate? Um, yeah, th- no, that no, would right. be a priority. Let's be clear. Oh, but- <laughs> oh. Speak, speaking of spiked hot chocolate, the I think. The funniest scene in this movie, and it doesn't have very many funny scenes, is where he they're all taking a drink out of the flask, and he pours the flask out, and it pours and pours and pours. It was like the pours. Mary Poppins of and, flask. And, yeah. he gi- and he gives like, well, if you've ever tried to pour a flask, they don't really pour. They're like a loop, 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 right? Yeah. And, and like, like the um, and I forget the uh, what's what's the um Asian guy's name? I forget, but B- he's BD Wong. No, not BD Wong. No, <laughs> but um, he like looks at uh, Phil. He lo- he's not yeah, Asian. Phil. He's Indian. That's in Asia. That's in Asia. Yeah, that's Asia. Okay, but typically when you say Asian, that's not what you, <laughs> well, you I distinguish well, Indians. Well, first of all, I didn't know if he's, he could be Pakistani. I don't know what he oh, is. Okay. I, I can't make those distinctions. I said Asian. Anyway, yeah, so Phil is like looking at Hutch, and they're like looking. They give like a glance at each yeah. other as it's like glugging out. I thought that was funny. Well, it, he was so close to his – I'm like, are you pouring it on him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Or on his foot. Yeah, I know. It, yeah. seemed, it seemed weird. That was definitely the most laughable scene in right. the whole movie. I mean, they kind of have a little moment there on, on screen, which was yeah. cool. So they go down the path. Dom hurts his knee. So then Hutch makes the critical error of let's go through the woods. But he doesn't make the error. He gives it a suge- as a suggestion. And Dom says, we're going through the woods. Yeah, but cutting Hutch, the Hutch doesn't give it as a suggestion like, hey, guys, you know, this is a bad idea. But he gives it like, we should go and it'll be off-road hiking and it'll be good for us. Like, yeah. he, he we'll does, cut, cut, the re- cut it, it in yeah, half. Yeah, he wants to do it. Cut the hike in half. Yeah. Like, yeah, Luke, so, so Luke, throughout this movie, Luke is the guy who actually is like, look. I saw my best friend die or saw my buddy die. I was kind of maybe responsible for it. So I'm trying not to make these mistakes again. Could you guys just please listen to me? And they're all like, no. Everyone right. basically throughout the movie is like, no. Mm-hmm. Except for Phil, who 
I don't know, poor Phil. I feel like out poor of all Phil. the characters, poor Phil didn't get much yeah, going on. I feel like you didn't really get to know him either. Yeah. Like, what was mm-hmm. his role? What was mm-hmm. his role? Exactly. Um, he didn't have a stereotype. Poor Phil. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he, he did. He was the not white guy. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. yeah. He, I was yeah. just Let's about to say that. ethnicity in there. Yeah. yeah. He's the token not yeah, white. Exactly. <laughs> With the name Phil. Phil. I know. I know. Yeah. But Super we still liked him. Day. I still liked him a lot. He was a great character. He was. Oh, no, he was, he was a cool guy. He was soulful eyes. So they go into the forest and they find the elk. Now, I don't want to get, I don't want to spoiler alert, but like this is the one part of the movie when you go back and think about what this ends up being, it doesn't make sense to me. Is the elk yeah. like go, is the elk not supposed to be in the forest? And because it goes in the forest, it's like targeted. But like, why would this creature, this entity, like hang this elk up? Like it's, it's sacrificing people. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I know why you need it structurally for the movie because you need to show some some amping up of the violence. And if the very first thing they saw was like dead bodies, they'd have been like, "Okay, we're going the other way," and they'd have left. So, fun fact that these the monster was based off of a Norse god type thing. Mm-hmm. So they call I don't know how to say Norse things. <laughs> so bear with me, listeners who are Norsean, Norwegian, <laughs> Norwegian. Okay, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think, are we still Norse? I think Scandinavian I okay. would would cover it. Nor- Nordic. So um, the it's called a Jotun, which is a powerful being in Norse mythology. And this particular being is elk-like and called a child of Loki, which you kind of hear, I believe, the female younger person in Sarah. the camp later say. Um, so Odin is often associated with his own hanging from the world tree. Wait, what? Tree. So he's like, there's a world tree in this Norse mythology. So he hangs himself and impales himself with a spear. So I think he's elk-like, which is why they're tying in this elk thing and why everything's elk. Odin? Odin. Impales himself. Yeah. Well, yeah, Odin hangs from, from the world tree. Yeah, Odin hangs from the world tree to gain wisdom. Oh shit! I didn't know any of this. Yeah. You guys are looking it's at all, me like, geez, man, Nor- yeah. yeah. don't you know your Norse no. mythology? Yeah, it's all Norse uh, mythology. I clearly, don't. I mean, I watched Thor. Isn't that enough? Well, that, this is after this is after he hangs from the the tree. That's he he he, he um loses his eye. That's how he loses yes, his eye. Yeah, I did read that part, but I yeah. left that out of my fun facts. This is like, I don't, this is getting too deep. Wait, he hangs himself, but he doesn't die. Because he's a god. Because he's a god. He's just so. I guess it's like a sacrificial so, thing because okay. it's all elk based. So technically, wow. the Jotun, right? These, Is that cr- how you these say creatures. Not Jotun. No, I think jo- I think it's, it's like... Jot. I think it's Jotun. But <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, but I think the I tried. That's okay. So in early North myth- mythology, the Jotun were like these beings that came out of the first being, like which makes sense. That became the earth. When Nature. it died, it became like the yeah. world or whatever. Yeah. And they came, came out of that. And Odin actually was the offspring of one of these Jotun Oh, that's things. freaking weird. So there's this weird, like, Jotun are very ill-defined, apparently, within Nordic mythology. is kind of ascribed to different things. Giants are, is right, another way yeah, they say it. So that. there's like a whole there's a whole thing. Anyway. That's so cool. I love that so, even more because when you see the Jotun later on, it's like an animal-person hybrid. Yeah. Which right. makes that much more sense that Odin was theoretically birthed from one and, of these beings. And technically in the book, um, the name of this Jotun is Moder. It's not Harry. Last name Potter. <laughs> is that where we're going? I don't. He just looked like Harry the Elk to me. Oh, I yeah. you yeah. know, no. my pet elk. No scar over his tuffle. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Very interesting. No, I like the bit of mythology. I think that's so interesting. 
You didn't get a lot of that in the movie other than you see some of the rune symbols and they refer certainly to the Jotun and it being a godlike creature. They they certainly mention it, they allude to it, but I love hearing a little bit more about the backstory. I wish they could have captured that in the movie a little bit more. I like the fact that it was a little ambiguous. Superficial? No, no, I mean ambiguous, I think. I mean left it they left it vague on purpose. Um so that you weren't I think mm-hmm. one so that they didn't have to like download this information to you through some like long monologue mm-hmm. that you were like interrupts the sort of tension they were trying to build throughout the movie and keep throughout the movie. Right. And I think that if you had the long monologue, it would it wouldn't have fit with the the dwelling like the people dwelling in the woods because yep. they seemed more simple. Yep. Based. Except but. for Sarah. What's your deal with Sarah? That's her name, Sarah. Yeah, I feel like out of all the characters, you remember the one random crazy chick from the camp. Yeah. Yep. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel do. like there's probably That's a so reason weird. for it because yeah. she was the only one who could say was hot. I think she's going to show up on Ray's Kill Chill Thriller. I I'm agree. Ju- I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> yeah. just saying. Slim pickings for men. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> You yes, have, that's you, true. You have to true. you have to watch the uh, you have to listen to the rest of the podcast to mm-hmm. find out. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on from here. As night falls, a torrential rainstorm soaks the men. While looking for shelter, they come upon an abandoned cabin and decide to break in and stay overnight. Inside the cabin, they find necklaces hanging from the walls that depict similar symbols as the runes on the trees. While exploring the second floor of the cabin, Phil discovers a strange wooden statue that is shaped like a decapitated human torso with antlers for hands. During the night, the four are plagued by nightmares. Upon waking the next morning, Luke finds that he has sustained a set of strange puncture wounds on his chest. The group finds Phil in the attic, naked and kneeling in prayer in front of the effigy. The group leaves the cabin to continue their travels deeper into the woods, trying to find a way out. Yeah, this shit was crazy. Also, I feel like you get there, you see the runes on the trees, you see the creepy cabin, you break into it. There's all sorts of weird, crazy voodoo witchcraft runes and all that stuff going on, and you're like, Nah, it's cool. We're we're still going to say. You find that effigy and you're like, no, it's cool. We'll still say. So, so I can I can buy that. I up, not up, buy no, that. no, no, no. You have that. tense. You have tense. No, it's, Has it, anybody seen Blair Witch? No, you're sure as hell not no, going to have No, and they Thank and they no said way. and they even acknowledged like the guy's like, This is where we're gonna die. We're gonna get murdered in this in this cabin. Yep. Like they acknowledged it, but I think I can buy the idea that they think that the uh, elk being hung up there is either by hunters or whatever, right? And then they get to this cabin. The cabin's obviously abandoned. It's raining outside. It's all that. I can get them staying there that one night. No, but I feel like the whole point of this story is you see the evil of men from the very first scene, right? Then you see the elk hanging there in the tree. And even if you're thinking that's hunters, that is effed up. Even if that is men, it is, again, the evil of men. I would be terrified staying even in this abandoned lodge because I'd be thinking another crazy psychopathic hunter who's hanging elk carcasses in the trees is going to come in here, even if it's been abandoned for 20 years, whatever, come in here and go on another machete rampage. Like, it doesn't matter. It's not your property. Shit's weird. Don't stay there. Why? Yeah, no, I I, I can, like I said, I can get behind them staying there that night. Now, granted, the next day... Yeah, I'm going back out of the woods. Like right. that's it. I'm that's it. My ass I, 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 and if no I way. and and the only, and of course, unfortunately for Luke, he has this whole like got to keep his try to keep his buddies safe and not leave them, or else you know he should have just turned around and be like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the woods because you guys are idiots. I felt like they wanted to play this whole machismo. Let's not talk about our nightmare thing, which I think can work. I'm not against that because I totally you know that's sort of like a standard mechanism, like. 
I'm, you know, pissed myself. I was so scared. I don't want to talk about it. That's fine. But freaking Luke wakes up with like five wounds in his chest, yeah. bleeding, which also look kind of deep. I mean, they don't really address it later that it hinders him, although they continue to ooze. <laughs> right. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, which also, I thought the five was very HP Lovecraft because everything in there is right the stars, the five. And I, I was not thinking at the time it was like a human hand puncture wound. So I thought that was interesting later on. But nevertheless, he wakes up and he has holes in his chest. Yeah. Jesus Christ, wouldn't you be like, you guys, what the F? That's it. That's the first thing you're just like, no. I mean, he reveals this later on once they're three quarters of the way down the path. Also, while I'm on a rant, uh, <laughs> they get to the house on the creepy path. Then they decide to say, hey, here's a path. Let's follow that. Jesus, the cabin, the creepy nightmarish cabin is on the path. You think that the people that built the cabin didn't build the path as well? Oh, man. I, I couldn't get behind that. And that's that's our boy. What's his? Dumb. Oh, dumb. Yes. Dumb. Dumb. I was going to say Dom the dummy. <laughs> so we, we were on the same page there. Yeah. I mean, you have to have, obviously, you have to have these characters not agree uh, and, and then make stupid decisions. Otherwise, they just leave and that'd be the end of the movie. And I thought they did a decent job of obviously having to grapple with the fact that they have to get these characters deeper into the forest and to have them play off of each other and not really be communicating and miscommunicating and one basically walking and the others have to follow. And so I, I bought that. It was dumb. I mean, Dom was being stupid. You know, Hutch should have just been like, we're going this way and went that, you know, whatever. I should have turned around and went back instead of southeast or whenever, whatever direction they were trying to go. But you buy into it because that's what you need for the movie to to, to move forward. Yeah, so. and I'm fine with that. I mean, again, there are movies that we watch where you guys know sometimes I'll start writing my stupid list. This movie didn't offend me that way. They were doing stupid things, but it wasn't so offensive. And like, I like you know, you hate Dom, the characters, or like people making stupid mistakes. And you're like, why wouldn't you do that? They could have theoretically just turned around and tried to escape the forest and gotten so lost and turned around they would have never made it out. They could have done that and just had them walking in circles in the forest. But I liked that you had this friendship, psychological undertones, the backstories, the drama, the tension between the friends. You know, it kind of comes back to that whole like storming, forming, norming, performing type of thing where you have the person that knows it's wrong, but they're not speaking up. They're not saying something because, you know, he was the one who got his friend killed type of thing. So, you know, I thought that that human interaction, it's frustrating to watch, but it seemed very real on some level. Upon climbing a ridge in order to gain some perspective regarding their location, Luke sees a large figure that remains hidden. While trying to discuss his findings with the group, Dom is doubtful of his report. An argument ensues wherein Dom reveals he blames Luke for Rob's death and calls Luke cowardly for failing to act during the robbery. Later that night, Luke is woken from another nightmare by screams. Discovering that Hutch's tent is empty, the three rush deeper into the woods. By dawn, they realize they've become lost and cannot recall where their campsite is. They decide to continue their search without their tents and supplies. They come upon Hutch, eviscerated and impaled on trees. The group retrieves Hutch's body for his compass and knife and then give him an impromptu burial by covering his body with tree branches. I found it really interesting that they were using, I guess, the monster to kind of portray your worst nightmare. So Luke obviously re has like the reoccurring dream nightmares of the, the bar scene, not the bar scene, but the liquor, liquor store, store scene. But then as he keeps having them, they get more infiltrated with the woods. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but you never see 
really what anybody else sees except for Dom at the end with his wife, but you don't know why that's a horror scene for him. Yeah, I didn't necessarily think it was horror. Um, I felt like what you were seeing was their pain somehow, right? It was this painful thing. And I will say, I think that is actually because of the book. So in the book, uh, there is no fifth guy that dies. It's basically Luke's the loser, and that's why they have their drama, right? They go on Mm -hmm. this vacation, and he basically doesn't have money to go on it, and that's like the whole struggle between the friends. But both Phil and Dom are in the process of getting divorces. And I'm wondering if, you know, this, what he's seeing his wife, if he's having marital problems with his wife, or there's some strife in there that kind of carried over from the book that they were keeping that you really aren't privy to within the movie that much. Although there is a conversation early in the movie where they're, where Phil and Dom are talking about Gail. And I can't, I, I don't know what they're saying. I can't remember what they're saying in there, but I wonder if it's relevant to him seeing her later on. Right. I don't know. But now that you say, I was thinking it was some of a mashup somewhere between because to Helen's point, I definitely thought it was about nightmares. But I knew that pain was a portion of it because later when they're in the village, your girl. Sarah. <laughs> says you have a lot of pain. Yep. It's almost like they've they've chosen him because he has the most amount of pain type of thing. So I was thinking that Dom was worried for Gail's life, that he saw her in that scene. But I think, to your point with the book, that that makes so much more sense. Right. You know, maybe they were getting this divorce and he was torn up about it. That's kind of cool. Insider yeah. tip. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because at the very beginning when they're, in the, when they're in the store, they are referencing the fact that, like, Luke is jealous of Dom being the most you know, successful, has the Perfect. beautiful wife or whatever. And that's a carryover from the book even. And I don't feel like that really carries through the rest of the movie. So it's interesting kind of you see them, some things from the book that uh, so kind of get left over. So Dom had the hot wife. That's interesting to me. So this is where we lose Hutch. No. No. I'm sad about this. Yeah, and, yeah. He, was, and he was a good guy all the way through, right? Oh, I mean, he was such a great character. We didn't even get to talk about Hutch that much. I thought he was a good leader. He was hot. He was very good looking. Mm. Uh, he was in shape. Mm. He was very, what do they say? Fit? Yes. <laughs> Are I miss you those days being fit. <laughs> although, although um, honestly, I don't know how you could tell any, I mean, he or um, Luke or Phil, or, well, Phil was naked, so you can tell whether he's fit. But the other two guys really, you they were very Dom? baggy, very baggy clothes. No, you see Dom in Dom like his like, long underwear. Yeah. He's super Well, pudge. no, I know. I didn't say Dom. I know Tom, Dom is pudgy. But like yeah. the other guys, like I don't know how fit they are. They just, I you mean, know you could I mean? tell from their stances. <laughs> we're women. We know. Yes. Yeah. We know these okay. types of things. But, but, I, but I will say, I do believe that this guy should go out and audition for Batman because oh. I, I think he would make a perfect Bruce Wayne. He looks... Hutch? Yeah, yeah. Hutch. Because he looks like a Bruce Wayne. I would love that. I would watch um, that movie. Unfortunately, he probably Same. can't lose the accent enough for it to sound right, but that's okay. Make a British Yeah, make Batman. a British. I don't care. Hutch was some good eye candy. Yeah. And then I was really sad to see his character go. I will say I thought he did a really good job acting. Mm-hmm. I thought he exhibited great leadership skills. And he was really kind of the heart of this circle of friends. Right. And the buffer between oh my God, Luke and I not do Luke names? And everyone Luke and else. Yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think Phil really had any issues. But he did do some of the consoling when he was praying in front of the effigy, I guess. I felt like Phil was trying to play it cool. And why was he all marked up? What, dirty? Oh, was that dirt? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know what it was. I thought they were like whippings or something. Yeah, I wasn't sure what it was yeah. either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, weird. yeah, and Hutch had the final good idea, which was the idea that he was going to give Luke the 
compass in the map and be like, look, you get out of here and bring people back. I'm not sure exactly how leave they us. find him. Yeah, leave us. Just uh, go. But No, he didn't even care. No, he, he was no, just saying that so he no, could he, go. I don't think so. I think oh, he wanted, I do. He said we have supplies. We're okay. I don't think he was saying leave for no well, reason. that's bullshit. He, he knows that he would never be able to find him coming back. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think he was saying he was self-sacrificing, right? He was saying, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to die with these assholes. You get yourself out. Mm, I didn't I didn't feel like that was they were there at that point. But that's okay. So he's taken and they find him and he's gutted. I did think the scene where they take the knife off of him was um, and the compass was a pretty good scene because it's pretty gross and um what's his name? Uh Luke does a pretty good job of <laughs> acting. Oh God, poor Luke. I don't know their names, but I know how attractive they are. Yeah. <laughs> we can rank order them. <laughs> Yeah, no, with the trembling hands and trying to pry the the knife and the compass off of him and just traumatized by the whole situation. Yeah, they, I, I will say one thing about Dom. It's not Dom, the character, but the guy who plays Dom. He has the best, oh my God, voice. <laughs> like he does that like multiple times in the movie and every time I believe it. Every time. <laughs> I thought his eyes were like very well portraying. Yeah. Like, yeah, he fear. does. He does. Yeah, he. I mean... Mm-hmm. I Very wanted good. to slap him, but I think that's the point. He's, he's like the scream queen of m- m- British men. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We need that on a loop. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Luke leaves Phil and Dom on the lower part of a ridge, climbing a hill that provides an overview of the entire forest. He realizes they are relatively close to the edge of the forest. He rejoins the two to tell them the news, but finds that their flashlights are pointed towards trees, saying they heard a noise. Suddenly, Phil is dragged away by an unseen creature. Upon seeking a hiding spot, Luke encounters Dom and urges him to run with him. They get to their feet, but the creature gives chase. They pass Phil's body impaled on the branches of a tree near a path of torches that leads to a small village. They seek shelter in the first building they see and collapse on the cabin floor, only to be knocked unconscious. When they awaken, they find themselves restrained. An elderly woman enters and inspects a puncture marks on Luke's chest. She pulls down her dress to reveal a similar pattern on her chest. She turns to leave and utters a command in a foreign language, which prompts the two men to grab Dom and bring him to the upper floor of the cabin. A younger woman enters and explains the preparations are being made for sacrifice. Sometime later, Dom is escorted back to the room, beaten and bloodied but still alive. He explains to Luke that he will serve as a human sacrifice to the creature and instructs him to find a way to escape and destroy the village. They stumble, Phil gets taken, and they stumble their way down the hill and pretty far, actually, compared to what he sees from that ridge. And then they follow the torches. And uh, did they think that they were going to be good people? I don't really understand. I know. Same thing. I mean, now I'm doing an and shake here because that was (laughs) ridiculous. Again, same thing. These stupid trails have brought you nothing but grief and misery. And I know, here's another trail. Let's run down that. Oh, creepy cabins in the woods. Awesome. Let's knock on it. These people will save us. I felt like we were immediately transported to the village by M. Night Shyamalan. I was like, you are hoes now. Yeah, I I guess you don't have a choice. I mean, the, the creature obviously has killed your friend and you're running. I guess you just don't have a choice. You're like, I have to get in a building and take your chances. I guess that's it. Because what else are you going to do? Run? More? I guess you just kind of hope that if you do run into people that they're going to not be terrible people. And I wouldn't say that, that these were terrible people. They were just... Yeah, I don't think they really were at all. Like, really, they Helen? Weren't, like... Really, Helen? They, they were attempting to sacrifice 50% yeah. of them. <laughs> I mean, I just yeah. I didn't get the impression that they did it to be horrible people. I did it 
I got the impression that they were just worshiping their God, God. serving. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well. I mean, they, they were sort of doing it so that they could have immortality. There was a little bit of self-serving there, right? I mean, they were doing it so he didn't kill them, I, I, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like the whole meta on religion, right? To your point, Helen, they're not bad people. They're just serving a malevolent god that's asking you to sacrifice everybody else. Okay, so way to make me feel horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I just meant like they weren't, I don't know, trying to kill people because they enjoyed killing. I didn't get that impression. Yeah, I mean, they weren't um, torturing them. I mean, it it, it seemed like they were going to almost slice them or something. Well, they kind of tortured Dom upstairs. I was going to say, but I don't know what they were doing. Once again, that actor... When he was taken upstairs, all the screams that are going on yeah. when Sarah comes in and like talks yeah. to Luke the first time, like that's some scary stuff. Like all that noise up there with him screaming, like, what are they doing? Like, I was freaked out. That was messed up. That was yeah. for sure. And and we don't really know even now what happened or what they were doing or why they were doing it. I don't know. Some sort of ritual thing. Were they right. sucking his soul out? Like another Harry Potter reference? Like our Dementors <laughs> or something? Like it was weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that part was a little bit weird because you didn't see them reenact that I, with Luke. You so, know? Yeah, yeah, I know. So I my know. my theory is they took him up there and, and they just let all those old people look at all his jiggly fat and they were like, oh man, I wish I had that jiggly flesh back. Mm, because they were all emaciated, you yeah. know, and stuff. And I just felt like they were just, you know, looking the, at the, that youth. They're going, mm, I miss me some Krispy Kremes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that see, they weren't chanting; they were moaning because they were so hungry. Mm, <laughs> I, I thought they were just so they're so depressed about being all shriveled up and gross. Skeletons. Yeah, I guess Mummies. I thought that. I, I mean, I didn't get any of the impression that they were hungry per se, but I just <laughs> felt that they were no. kind of sacrificing the people that didn't need to have that rest because they said something about it, like you're going to be happy now to the to Luke. No? no maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they definitely were talking about his pain. I might have missed. Right. So that's oh, why he got did, marked. They did talk because about. Because he had extreme pain and then once he went get away. It, yeah. The, so I thought that they were like, oh, well, weird. yeah, some of you are going to die, but at least we're saving the people who have extreme pain and then they're going to live without pain. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was pretty twisted. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't feel like it made a lot of sense. It definitely felt like early settlers type of thing with their weird pagan rituals yeah i i will just say i mean i thought that the effects on the second floor with all the skeletons moaning bodies and the skeleton king sitting on the altar so to speak oh like all that was creepy as when they started to move oh god (laughs) and and i appreciated how luke like i like when he goes up there of course i'm skipping it a little bit in front ahead a little bit but i like when he goes up there and he like he doesn't really freak out he like looks, he startled at first, what but then he looks the? and he just like puts the torch over and starts lighting on fire. Yeah. Like this, this must be done. You yes. know? <laughs> yeah, for That's sure. That's what Dom told me to do and I'm going to go through with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to, I want to bring up what I think is the ultimate irony of this movie, which is throughout the movie, of course, Luke in the forest is trying to save his buddies in one way or another. Right. And he's telling Dom like, I'm not going to have to tell your wife and your your wife that you love her and that you try to get back to her. Like, you're going to live. You're going to live. And he's not really successful. And I, and I think it's interesting that he really isn't successful in the movie for saving anybody, he, even though he tries. 
And I don't know what that means necessarily to the Shit movie. Shit happens. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's interesting though that that he he doesn't actually succeed at any of that. He's a loser. He loses that life. He loses all his friends. Loser, loser. I don't, yeah. I don't, no, I don't think I don't think <laughs> wow, he's a wow. I don't think he's a loser because he loses his friends. I mean, I I, I just think it's interesting he that is in the end though. That's what I'm saying. Sort of the ironic, right? The right. irony of portraying him as a loser becomes even more of a loser. He becomes, you know, even more mean. He's watching all these friends die around him. I don't know what the meta is. I don't know what it means. Well, I, I, it is yeah. not a redemption. I mean, I guess story. I wouldn't. I guess I. Well, I guess I wouldn't say that he's a loser. I think he loses. He 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 suffers more loss. I think I would say it that way. He's he suffers both, the though. loss of his friends. I. He's supposed to be both, though, right? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. Know. I didn't get the impression that he himself, as a character, was a loser. I mean, I think he's he's attempting to be make up for the fact that he didn't take action to save his other friend. Now, those things aren't successful. I mean, through, I must say, no fault of his own, really, to some extent. I mean, he's in a situation where you're dealing with some sort of Norse god and a crazy cult. Like, Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what, like, the overarching point of this movie is. Like, I, I like the idea of just the evil of man and certainly the Norse gods and other things that we're going through there. But I don't Like, moral of the story for Luke's journey? Facing your demons. Because he does get that demon in the end. And then he's the one who walks out. Yeah. Like if he didn't stand up to the demon, he would have had to kneel down. And that would have been just the same thing as hiding behind that aisle. I guess. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I don't know if that's strong enough for me. Yeah. Because, you know, you lost three of your, four of your buddies ultimately because the other one died six months earlier. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel like that's strong enough for me because you feel kind of like now you're going back into the real world. You lost your buddies. I don't know how you explain that to the lodge. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because he he survives the first time through cowardly action, let's say, Sur- whatever, survival instinct, let's mm-hmm. say. And in the second time he survives in spite of basically not doing that. Like, Well, the first know. one's based on self-preservation, remember? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's and then what I mean. here he's really trying to not self-preserve per se. Yeah, he's trying he's to trying save to his friends. He's trying to help the group. And, it and, is a super shitty job, though. He didn't speak up. He didn't re-guide them. He didn't show any leadership skills. Well, I, 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 I don't believe that's true. I mean, he said, let's leave. Let's go the opposite. First he but said, he, let's he not go through the them. forest. Well, I understand that. But, I mean, he didn't succeed at those, but I'm not saying he didn't try. Which is why he's a loser. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's a loser. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess he wasn't the one that you would go to for leadership qualities, and therefore that is why he was not successful in leading them out. Like, yeah, that I mean, was not his he, role in the group. He, he, was, not, was, he was not. He was not successful because, the, as Dom said, most of them. Phil didn't give an opinion. Didn't trust his judgment because he had taken not un- in action at the beginning of the movie. Right, like Dom wasn't really going to listen to him. And even Hutch admitted, I don't really know if you're at fault for the, you know, have blame in, in Rob's death. So, like, that's kind of why, right? I believe they weren't really listening to him either. But, yeah, I mean, he specifically says, Dom says, I don't trust your judgment. And I will say, even he said, though, he said even I don't though, value oh, right. your I don't judgment, value, even worse. Which is, I know, yeah. smack down yeah. in the forest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> And even yeah. though we don't talk that much about Phil, I felt like Phil was that silent, oh, shit, this is happening. Like, he's saying what everybody else is thinking. So I felt Phil was very firmly in the anti-Luke boat. You know, I, I thought Phil should have been the character that was like, let's get the F out of here. Because he was the one who was like, he was on it. Like, this thing, you know, possessed me, made me pray to it. Like, he was the one freaked out about that in a sort of 
personal soul level. Whereas Luke was more freaked out about the, I mean, he had the marks on him, but he was like freaked out about the creature. He was always hearing the creature and saw the hand, which was freaky, by the way, in the forest. That was yeah, a pretty that good, was that really was a good one too. I was spoiled in the trailer with that, but yeah, yeah, it was, well, yeah, it but was a good effect. Very pan's, pan, pan's labyrinthy. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. So Woods, Woodland nymphy type yep, yep. thing. Dom is taken outside of the cabin and brought to a wooden post where his hands are tied behind his back. As night falls, a roar can be heard from the forest. The captors immediately fall to their knees and worship. Dom has a vision of his wife emerging from the trees and holding his face in her hands. This is, in reality, the creature that has been pursuing the men. The creature removes Dom from the post and impales him on the branches of a nearby tree, leaving him to die. Desperate to escape, Luke breaks from one of his restraints by breaking his thumb, but cannot undo the second one before he is interrupted by the young woman's sudden entrance. When Luke asks about the creature, she explains that it is called, it is called a Jotun, a godlike creature stemming from Scandinavian mythology, and that they provide its sacrifices in return for immortality. She states that Luke will take part in a ritual where he will submit to the creature and join the cult or be killed. After she leaves, Luke breaks free from his restraints and leaves the room. He ventures to the upper floor of the cabin, hearing prayers and screaming coming from behind a closed door. Armed with a burning torch, he opens the door and finds a twisted group of mummified but still living humans, evidently the end result of the immortality granted by their worship of the creature. Following Dom's last wish, he sets the worshippers alight. The act attracts the Jotun, who emerges from the forest to find the cabin burning. In a rage, the creature kills the young woman, seemingly gouging her eyes out after speaking with her angrily. Luke uses this opportunity to escape from the burning cabin after a couple of cultists almost stop him, and the creature bars his way from the front door. Before running into the woods, Luke aims and takes a shot at the creature as, as it is holding the young woman's body aloft. The creature pursues him, attempting to cripple his mind by causing hallucinations of his reoccurring nightmare. The creature eventually catches him and forces him to his knees multiple times, offering Luke the chance to submit. Luke uses an axe, which he has previously taken from one of the worshippers to strike the creature, briefly incapacitating it. He follows the sunlight emerging from the forest into an open field. Seemingly unable to leave the forest, the creature roars at him, and he screams back in triumph. Luke turns from the monster and heads in the direction of a paved road with a passing car, a sign of civilization. Okay, the final showdown. Yep. All right, so I like this. So we get the congregation burning going on, and I was like, ooh, what's going to happen? Like, is that going to piss off the Jotun? Like, is the Jotun personally invested in these mummified corpses? Also, how long has this thing been going on? I mean, that's a lot of mummies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So almost like centuries, theoretically. Right. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it was crazy. But then I was like, is it going to be really upset that that was like his... I mean, it's not the Jotun's sacrifices, but it's like his property? It's yeah, worshippers? well, it's, it's his worshippers, right? I mean, we don't we don't really know how the, his, his power works. The Jotun's power was tied to right. his worshippers or not. Right. Um. The other thing is, I, I I don't really know how much the Jotun is a has a freedom. You know what I mean? Has like a free will, and how much of it's just sort of it itself is just doing what it's made to do. You know what I mean? I don't because it's a god. So right, that, that's what I'm does saying. What it wants to that's, do. But I mean, we because it's some bastard offspring of Loki. Like, is it half creature, half? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, how much is it able to do? Is it doing what it wants to do because it wants to do it in sort of a free will fashion, or is it like that's what it's built to do? So that's what it does. It's on like an infinite loop. Yeah. So I find that when you said its property is the congregation, very interesting because fun fact: the symbols that were drawn on the trees. Are a hold on, let me get this right because futheric 
No. Mm, okay. I was expecting the, Mr. Yotin over here so the to runes, tell me what the, it was. <laughs> the Futhark runes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They are ancient, an ancient Germanic alphabet, um, and it's pronounced O, and it means property. Oh. Ah. Yeah. See, so that's, you go. I think that probably does not consider them people or worshipers, but that they are his and he would like them to remain, which is why he was so angry about the fire. Yeah. Which, I mean, you would kind of think makes sense. Mm-hmm. I also thought, okay, stupid question. Did he go after that girl? Sarah. Yep. Your lady. Because, <laughs> she, because she fell over when she was bowing? No, I think that it... Mm. I don't really weird, think right? so. She kind of like stumbled... Then it's like he won, like, you know, singled her out. I feel, and then, like, yeah. I feel like it singled her out because it knew she had some sort of feelings for Luke as far as, like, sympathetic feelings towards him. I know. You would think that, too. But then why did she just, like, accidentally fall over and then he yanked her up? I don't know. It just seemed, like, a little weird. I, and I agree. I thought that it felt, like, stupid and trivial. But then I was like, oh, maybe it's like a T-Rex. I can only see you when you move. Yeah, maybe. No. The, de- the 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 monster, the god, whatever we want to call him, was pretty cool though. Like, cause that's oh, yeah. not something that I've ever seen before, where you have yeah this elk like thing with the face in the center, and then more limbs and stuff above it that are human. You're so right. It was such a funky monster, and that was what was so interesting about this, because from Dom's vision of his Gale? wife coming out of the woods, yeah, from Gail coming out. And you're like, what's happening here? And then it translating to actual hands touching him. But then, mm-hmm. but then to your point, Helen, then it's like this weird black, almost like a um, Jawa kind of face, yeah. where right? Mm-hmm. It's like the black with the eyes. Ooh, so good. <laughs> what's like Jawa? What the heck's a Jawa? Star, I know. It's like, please define Star, Star Wars. Wars. The little, oh, yeah. the little guys with the hoods, Ooh, the little bright eyes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I think that the the whole concept of having the hands be the focal point a lot was good because you can make the hands creepy in their real hands mm-hmm. and they look real. Right. Right? So you can get away with it. I have to say, I didn't really like the screaming at each other thing. Like, when you start screaming back, I was like, what? Why? Mm, like, it was just yeah. a pathetic yell. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't particularly care for that. I didn't think he really won anything. I, I, I don't, will say. I don't think it was a scream of triumph, as they say in the wiki here. I I believe it was more him just. If anything, it was a triumph of his survival. But I feel like it was more him just screaming at it because it had taken, kind of taken his friends right I and so. and the, he had survived like i think there's the scream there's three of them i think three screams he did and i felt like they kind of differed of the, slightly oh. in what in the way he was kind of portraying it Maybe. i i personally liked it because it was kind of the culmination of what of uh, of his character i guess I, I i i didn't see it as being anguished and that's why i was kind of like i don't know yeah, I mean, it, it, I think I think it had a lot of different pitches co- context to yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anguish in the sense that he was crying and he was screaming like that or whatever, you know. And, but I didn't think it was triumphant either. I think it was somewhere very human. I felt like in the middle. I felt that it was very cathartic, and to your point, it evolved as he continued the screaming. That it really started from more of that survivalist alpha dog. You know, you're there, I'm here. What, like, you know, you can't, you can't effing get me. You can't effing get me. I'm gonna yell back at you. But then it was his frustration and his pain and everything else, kind of coming to this realization of I survived, I did it. That being said, 
this was probably my least favorite scene of the movie. I will say, I think that I understand where they're going. And I would say this was probably the weakest acting in this part of the movie. Because I think if they were going for the full cathartic spectrum of emotions, that would have been super cool. And I've seen some amazing actors portray very similar where you can see their eyes, the emotions evolve as they go along. And it's just mind-blowing. Didn't quite pull it off here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of felt like it was realistic. I mean, the guy's basically numb. I mean, he's been through all this stuff. And I I know, I understand what you're saying. But I felt like the rest of – it fit the rest of the movie to me in the sense that if it had been overplayed like this, either really triumphant or really, you know, sad or – you know what I mean? Like I felt like what he was doing fit the character, fit what he was he was going at. Like he wasn't a superhero and he wasn't, you know, whatever. So I felt like – I don't know. I, I felt like a fit. I agree. I, I it was It was awkward. Like, it did seem awkward, but I felt the awkwardness was authentic, I guess. Yeah. That was my sense of it. But to back up just slightly, the one real piece of, I want to say, mythology that you see in the movie, which I was tant- tantalized me, is when the creature stands up and it, like, unfolds itself and it puts its arms up in kind of in this prayer mode or whatever. And you kind of get the whole kind of stars or something up above the above the trees and and I was like, what, what is it doing? And what's what's that mean? And then, of course, he, he interrupts it by getting up. But I was kind of like tantalized by that whole idea. What did you think of that, of the creature standing up finally? I, I honestly think this is one of the best creature-type depictions that I've seen in a really long time. So I was pretty – I thought that was pretty awesome because you only saw like snippets throughout. And then here was like it's here I am in all of my glory-type scenario. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And and they did a good job. Of course, they kept it in shadows most of the time. It was at night. And the one time you got to see it in the sense of its um of its form was backlit against the burning cabin. Right. And I felt like that saved you from from the CGI, right? In fact, I on the scream scene, I thought the weakest CGI was that scene. Because it was kind of in the woods, but not in the woods, and you saw it in a little bit more light, and I felt like you could tell it wasn't really integrated into the background well. Yeah, I will say I was thinking of you, Ray, as soon as we saw this being, this this godlike creature, and I was like, ooh, Ray's going to like this because he likes creatures. <laughs> yeah, but this creature was cool, though, right? Like, he you didn't know a lot badass. about it, but you, and it, and it had an intelligence to it that was sort of foreign enough that you were like, what's going on? And you remember me saying a couple podcasts ago about um, different watching different movies we were talking about foreign movies and watching foreign movies and i'm saying how asian movies kind of have a weird cadence to them and this is an example of like a european movie that has a slightly different feel to it than like american horror movies and this is a movie you can't have in america the forests aren't old enough we haven't been here long enough white people haven't been here long enough excuse me to have those like if you have to do that you have to do a native american type of mythology story you know what i mean which obviously would be amazing yeah let's be clear yeah no absolutely or you have hollywood just saying yeah or you have to do a movie that's like hillbillies and hicks you know in the woods you know texas chainsaw massacre type of stuff which i think is why we get a lot more of those and i really loved how they put the head in the center Mm-hmm. Instead of on the top, which is what you see most monsters. I, I will say I'm looking at a quick screenshot of this, and I'll post it to our feed as well. But this is one crazy-looking monster. So one of the things that you didn't get to see on the screen as well is that effigy, where which is the beheaded man. 
that is on the creature yep. in the picture. Mm-hmm. So that's the the horns at the top that you see yeah. the antlers. Oh yeah, because that was like the arms of the beheaded thing. Well, oh. it's almost like there's a human body, like with its back, with its decapitated torso, and then the arms are the antlers, just like that creepy effigy. But then you would think, okay, well, then the body would come down. But then it's like another body flipped upside down connected to that body where the arms come down. But then where that head would be is spliced open with like a giant mouth with teeth with another face inside. Like it's just this crazy mashup of stuff going on. And then additional monster arms and legs and body on top of that. Yeah. It's you know, nuts. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was pretty fantastic. Agreed. Okay. Well, are we, are we, good, are we good with the review? Yep, sounds good. Okay, well, Helen, why don't you take us to the next section? All right, we are on to kill, chill, and thrill. So I'm going to move to Anne because I feel like poor mm. Ray has some slim pickings on the on the women's option. Yeah, this was definitely a bro show for sure. So we had some good options, which was fabulous. Yes, it was. All right, so for my kill, no surprise, I'm going to kill Dom. Oh my gosh, so whiny. So annoying. Just get your shit together. I, I want to give him some props. He definitely held it together the best that he could. But just overall, I would have left that weakling behind and would have hightailed it out of there. So whether the monster killed him off or, you know, something else in the forest, I would have left him behind. Either way, he would have killed. He would have died. Chill. I found this a little hard. I was like, hmm, who would I hang out with? I mean, Phil seemed like a pretty cool option, but I decided to chill with Rob all the way from the beginning. Because he was very successful, he had a good home life. It would just be interesting to hear more about his business and what, you know, what he's got going on there. And then I decided to thrill. You would think, oh, I'd say like, oh, like I'd take the whole guy pack. But I was like, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm just going to thrill with our boy Hutch. All right, Ray. All right. So I would also kill Dom. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's a pretty annoying character. Um, He is obviously the worst of the five uh, friends i feel like judgy so i would i would kill him for chill i'd chill with hutch hutch seems like a cool guy he seemed like the most balanced of the group he seemed like he was down for a good time but he also appreciated the hike and he actually wanted to kind of go off road to get a little more of that visceral feel and and so i appreciated that so i'd probably chill with him and then as far as thrill, I mean, there's really not much going on here. Um, you've heard me say Sarah's name multiple times through the podcast, even though not even the wiki knows her name is Sarah. So, <laughs> you know, I'd have to go with the sort of immortal, uh, I thought her name was Frida, actually, or something crazy like that uh, in, in, before I looked at the, uh, at the wiki there under the cast. But, but yeah, I, I guess I'd go with, with Sarah as far as the thrill. I also am going to kill Dom. Poor Dom. Uh, Man, Dom's out. <laughs> three for no. three. Sorry, bro. I was going to chill with Phil. Chill and Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find, like, he seems to have that, like, the personality where it's very calming. So I thought he would be yes. really laid back. And I went through Luke because why not sober Luke? Not <laughs> drunk Luke. Because <laughs> he was I don't just very nice to look at. I mean, it was a toss-up between him and Hutch. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You get Luke. I get Hutch. Yeah. I'm good to go. Double date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you guys are listening, shoot us a note. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've finished with Kill, Chill, and Thrill, it is time to rate the movie. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill. And to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. 
Second is the impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And finally, third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? All right, let's start with Anne. Okay, so overall, I thought this movie was pretty well executed. I think this movie seems to get a lot of crap online, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. For technical, I gave it an 8. I thought that the effects were well executed. I didn't think anything was blatantly bad. I thought that the recurring nightmare of the convenience store in the forest was amazingly done. Was that CGI? Was it practical? I I don't know. I mean, it looked practical, and if it was, kudos to those guys for basically setting up stock rooms in a forest and then yanking them over, spilling the booze everywhere. I mean, it was cool. There were very cool effects in this. Impact, I have to say, nights after watching this movie, I was having nightmares. I was having some weird, weird dreams. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, I, I generally like to camp or just the weird monster aspect of this. For whatever reason, it, it kind of messed with my mind. And overall enjoyment, I liked this. You know, I also gave that an eight. So I gave it straight eights just because the guys were good to look at. You know, it was an interesting enough story. It wasn't overly complicated. I could easily put this on with friends and it would give us enough to talk about and I would totally watch it again. Okay. Helen. So for technical competency, I gave that an eight as well. I thought that the acting was phenomenal, which is no surprise to me because I just, the cast of characters just seemed to really pull that off really well. For impact, I gave it a seven. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I really thought I'm not really like thinking monsters are scary for me. So the monster was cool, but I wouldn't have said I was scared by it. However, I will never go backpacking in Sweden. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Enjoyment, I gave it an eight. I would definitely watch it again. I thought it was really, really well done. So for technical composition, I gave this an eight as well. Uh, I thought it was well acted, good script, tight movie as far as the plot's concerned. Um, I also thought the creature was excellently done. They kept it in the shadows where it should stay, um, except for the one part where it was backlit, like I said earlier. So, you know, I had a couple points that I kind of quibbled with a little bit, but you kind of have to have that in horror movies to uh, to get to the scary stuff. So I give it an eight. As far as the impact, I'm with Anne. I had some crazy dreams, like two or three nights after watching this movie, and I don't know why. But it just, it messed with my brain. I'm not sure. So I gave it a nine, simply for that fact, because that's impact. And uh, <laughs> as far as enjoyment, um, I'm going to give it a nine as well. I really like this movie. It could have been, in an American version of this, it would have been Hillbillies, you know, tracking them down in the forest. And it just would have kind of been torture porn, I feel like. I mean, this movie really framed itself around these, around Luke and around his friends and around his um, survivor's guilt. And I felt like the way that it played with masculinity and what it means to be a man and what it means to kind of have male friends and all that, obviously uh, some of that was interrupted through the fact that it's a horror movie, but I felt like you got enough of it and more than what you usually get in a typical, uh, typical horror fair. So nine for me. All right. Well, that means actually we all rated this movie pretty darn high. Helen, you are at the lowest, but still really high on the charts at a 7.67. I'm next in line with a solid 8, 
And Ray, you are leading the bunch with an 8.67, bringing the ritual to an average of an 8.11. All right, well, an 8.11 puts it just below Ghostbuster, so almost at the top of the hill. You know, I have this general feeling, having watched a bunch of these movies now for the podcast, we've gotten so good at making horror movies. I feel like these newer movies really distilled and perfected a lot of the craft that you see them just getting started with on like Nightmare on Elm Street or The Exorcist or some of the classics. And when we go back and watch the classics, either because we've seen them before or because, you know, they just don't have the the distillation of skill um, that you find in, in these newer movies. I mean, even The Conjuring to some extent, mm-hmm. like... I mean, well, you know how I felt about that. Yeah, I, I know. And so you end up with movies like this, and like The Void. I mean, movies that kind of know exactly what they want to do, and they target what what kind of story they want to tell, and they know sort of the tools that they need to tell that story. And so I, that's why I feel like this movie is so high. I mean, this movie was not perfect by any means, but it was enjoyable, And that monster was just so unique, was just so different from anything we've ever seen before. You know, I have to give them big, big props and kudos on that one, because as we watch more and more of these movies, it's unique. It's very rare to find something that's so drastically different from anything else. The plot wasn't that different, right? Okay, dudes go camping, shit happens. I liked how they set it up, though, you know, with the friend being murdered up front. That was different. Uh, but you know, once they get into it, it was just, yeah, it was different. It was interesting. And, um, it really, I think bumped up that rating considerably because of that. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience, rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.